Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Doug Meyer of Covenant Technology Partners. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, The Tom James Company, Edward Jones, Go Brand Go, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. And now to this week's episode with Doug Meyer. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I met you through LinkedIn actually, and then we uh, we realized uh, after we were having a conversation that we had some mutual connections and some uh, past relationships, and so really enjoyed meeting you. And I'm excited to have you on our show today to kind of tell us your story and your journey. And so I'd like to start there. Talk to us about growing up and what led you to starting your current organization. Well, so growing up, I grew up on a farm. Um, in uh, in southern Illinois, and I grew up raising cattle. And so one of the neat things about growing up on a farm is that a farm is a small business. So I grew up literally working on a small business from the time I could from the time I could walk. And uh, and then by the time I was eight, I was uh, I was already buying assets personally. Um, well, at least I thought they were those personal. It was highly <laughs> subsidized, but personal. Um, and uh, but I learned the value of or the value of investing at that point. I learned the value of buying an asset. You know nurturing that asset to uh, to make it more valuable um, and then selling assets um, buying and selling assets to 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 increase the value of your portfolio so learned that at a very early age i didn't realize i was learning investing at the time um, i thought i was just playing with cattle but uh but in hindsight i recognized that uh, that i was learning some valuable investment lessons absolutely well tell us about your current organization covenant technology partners and what you guys do yeah so covenant technology partners is a is a a consulting and software organization um, we're headquartered here in St. Louis, but we serve clients throughout throughout across the planet. Um, I was just telling a, a colleague earlier this morning that uh, that we we focus on English speaking because we that's our our language <laughs> of choice. But uh, but pretty much if they're English speaking, we can we we can help them. But we design and build and manage um, software solutions uh, for businesses, uh, primarily uh, large to mid-sized businesses. Um, again, throughout the country. Um, but again, since we're located here in St. Louis, we uh, we do a lot of work with clients here in St. Louis and in the Midwest. So, talk to me about the decision to kind of start your firm and where that came from. Well, so it, I had a I had a unique opportunity in my, early in my career to uh, to start practices for other accounting firms. Um, so I was with uh, um, Grant Thornton and then BDO Seidman and then Arthur Anderson. 
um, all of whom gave me the opportunity to, to start practices for their firms. Um, so I got, got the opportunity to, to really start firms with a big safety net where I, I was getting a paycheck every, every month uh, while I was starting things. Um, but it taught me a lot about how to start a practice and how to start a, uh, a firm. Um, so I knew I, I, I knew how to make it work and I had some success there. So, so really it was a matter of waiting for the right time. Um, with the implosion of Arthur Anderson, um, you know, a lot of these lessons are learned the hard way through a little bit of pain. And so um, as many folks know, Arthur Anderson um, imploded in, uh, in 2000, 2001. And I was a partner at Arthur Anderson. So I thought my career path was set until um, Anderson um, received an indictment from the DOJ and, uh, and put them out of business with a single stroke of the pen. So, so suddenly my career path changed dramatically. And that's when I said, OK, well, what am I going to do now? And uh, and clearly starting a business made a lot of sense. Um, I, I what timing was terrible at that time. So I I uh, and I recognize that. So I moved over to Microsoft. I worked for Microsoft for a number of years um, to learn some valuable lessons about how the software industry really works. Um, and then in 2004, started uh, started Covenant Technology Partners, really focusing on designing and building solutions based on data analytics um, and and portals, content management and collaboration. Uh, solutions and again, really focused on St. Louis market initially, but then it it grew very quickly uh, beyond that. Yeah, so you guys have been in business 18 years. Uh, what we discussed, and you know what, when we uh, first met, um, one thing I admired about you was your your um, desire and your passion for entrepreneurship. Can you can you tell me a little bit about where that came from and and how that how you became so passionate about that? Well, absolutely. Well, pretty early in my career. I realized that I kind of saw the world differently than most of my peers. Um, most of my peers, um, even in, I mean, we had good jobs, you know, put jobs in air quotes, right? But but good jobs, but a lot of folks just didn't view it as, a, they viewed it as a job. They viewed it as they were just exchanging time for money. And I didn't look at that at it that way. I viewed it as an investment and I was, uh, I was growing something, whether I was growing competencies in myself or growing other assets, I was growing things. So I, pretty early on, I recognized I saw things differently than others. And I think that's really the 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 entrepreneurial spirit. Entrepreneurs, my experience with entrepreneurs is that entrepreneurs see things differently than most people do. And what they see is they see investment opportunities, right? They see they see problems that can be solved, and they see um, opportunities to uh, to to solve it yourself, not just to wait for someone else or to encourage someone else to solve it. But hey, if there's a problem, go solve it. And uh, and if it's valuable in the marketplace, you'll get paid for that. Um, so I think that's a different perspective. So. So again, I learned that perspective again, going back to my my roots, um, growing up on the farm, but uh, but then throughout my professional career, I saw that over and over again, where just tremendous opportunities and and being in the tech tech industry as we are, um, we see opportunities every day um, to solve new problems with technology. So so I've been very fortunate to be in a in an incredible industry that just really enables that uh, that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Would you say, you know, we talk about entrepreneurship a lot on this podcast and we've obviously had a a lot of entrepreneurs on here. Do you feel you have to be passionate about a certain um, industry or role before you can become an entrepreneur in that industry or role? Do you do you feel that that's a must um, to be successful or no? Well, I think it's critical that you're passionate about what it is you're working on. I think a lot of times the industry in which we're passionate can surprise us, right? So, so even though you might think you're, I'm passionate about this industry, but, and especially in the field of technology, I see it all the time where 
gosh, all of a sudden I'm working in the healthcare industry. It's not an industry that I thought I was passionate about, but I see this application technology and the way it can really help people. And all of a sudden I'm very passionate about that. So, so I think, yes, so it's, it's critical that we're passionate. And in fact, so we have this, this thing we call the cube of success, right? So, and we, we've stolen a lot of it from, uh, from John Wooden, um, from his pyramid of success, but, but in, in the cube of success basically says that success is driven on three variables, three basic variables. And the variables are aptitude, attitude, and environment. Um, now attitude can also be the, the word we like to use instead of attitude is passion, right? So aptitude, yeah, you have to be good at something. And this applies to individuals as much as it does to organizations, right? So in order to be successful, you have to be good at something. Right. Yeah. But you equally important, I would argue even more important is you have to be passionate about it. Right. Because if you're passionate about it, then then work isn't work. Right. Yeah. And and if you're working a 12 hour day or a 16 hour day, it's not hard because you're passionate about it. You're doing something that you love and you enjoy and you care about it. And so it's not it's not drudgery by any stretch. Now, the third right. variable is environment. Right. So the first two variables are intrinsic. So I have my passions. I have my my aptitude, my skills, my what I'm good at. But the, the third variable is external, and that's that's the environment you're operating in, right? So if you're operating um, within an organization, I can be entrepreneurial within, say, a big organization like Centene. I can be entrepreneurial within that environment, or I can be entrepreneurial in the free market and start my own business. Um, so the environment, but the environment's really important, especially as you consider um, how you're going to apply your passions and your aptitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. Let me ask you this. Over the last 18 years, uh, what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges of running your organization? Well, um, so the challenges are, are vast and, 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 and many. Um, but, uh, but I'd say finding and, and developing the best people around you. So, so it, it usually comes back to, uh, to folks, right? To people. Yep. And people and finding those people that both have that aptitude, but also share the passions, right? Um, finding yep. people that match up well with um, with your the vision, um, you know. And, and another big part of entrepreneurialism is being able to develop a vision and then communicate that vision to other folks, right? Yeah, absolutely. So being able to find um, really great folks that that can understand the vision and and agree with, yeah, that's a that's a worthy vision and something I'm. I'm willing to invest in myself because we're asking folks to invest their time, right? Yep. I mean, people get paid, but ultimately they're investing their time to to come and join you um, in uh, in accomplishing a vision. So so finding those the right people is 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 certainly the biggest challenge that I've experienced. Yeah. Well, we talk about on this podcast quite often about Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, um, finding the right people, getting the right people on the bus, getting the right people in the right seats on the bus to move that vision or that flywheel, as he calls it, forward. Correct. And um, I, I think, you know, me being in the HR space, obviously people is is my world. Um, it's been last couple of years, that has been an enormous challenge and still is to this day is finding people, the right people getting them in the right seats, making sure they're happy uh, with inside the organization that they don't leave for somebody else who's offering them an extra $5,000. Um, that is a huge challenge for a lot of businesses right now. And I'm assuming it'd be the same for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Now we've been, we've been very fortunate. Um, and I think it comes back to relationships. So it speaks to, you know, how important relationships are. Um, Cause yeah, it's important to have a, have a common vision, but at the same time, if, if the team doesn't get along well, if you just don't like one another, 
it's not going to be a fun experience working together, right? So having those healthy, good relationships with folks, um, with your teammates, um, and where you can you recognize we're all we're all flawed individuals, but but uh, if we can um, recognize how we can complement one another and and uh, and uh, and really both get along, but not just get along, but to really thrive together um, is important. So those those relationship skills are critical. Absolutely. Um, certainly as a, as an entrepreneur, if you don't want to do it by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Let's shift gears here a little bit and talk more about leadership. Uh, tell me a little bit about your views on leadership and how you currently are leading your organization. Well, so uh, so I have a pretty so I, I grew up in the uh, my in my career I grew up in the in the formal accounting firm world right where they have very clear definitions and I appreciate the, that very much. So I I appreciate the formal definitions of management versus leadership and I subscribe to them. Um, but I think so. So when I speak to leadership, and I always like to make that distinction between management and leadership, because um, they're two very different things. Um, but the, so the big things in leadership to me are um, you need to be able to develop a vision. You know, have a vision of where are we going. You have to be able to communicate to the team to get followers, right? So leaders need followers, and so so you have to be able to communicate to a broader team where it's we're going, what where we are going, and why it's valuable to the organization and to them individually to go, to go to that, to that vision. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. And then, and then of course it's important to, to track your progress along the way and to, and to recognize that, Hey, when things are, you know, you have, you have the, the team moving in a certain direction, but if, if there's always um, distractions and there's always things that are going to try to pull you off course. Um, so trying to, trying to remain focused and trying to keep the whole team organized and working together because you need that, that was, um, the, the interactions of those multiple disciplines to work together. Um, and if they're not, you're not going to make the progress that you, that you really need. So, but I think developing that vision and, and, uh, and then, and then again, getting the right people around you um, that can also um, lead because it's not a, never a single leader, especially in a, in a large organization, you need leadership from all, all sorts of places. Right. So, so, uh, so you need folks around you that can also have that ability to lead and develop the visions for their respective responsibilities. Yeah. Tell me, where did you learn your leadership qualities? Was it inside the accounting firms or or did you read or how did you educate yourself on how to be a good leader for your organization? Well, again, I was very fortunate. So I grew up, um, my my dad was a was a, a very good leader. Um, okay. And so I got the I got the opportunity to, to observe, you know, and just learn through modeling. Um, but I've also done a lot of, uh, you know, profession had a lot of professional education in leadership, both uh, in in uh, you know in my formal education, but also throughout my career, um, a lot of leadership training. Um, but also, it's it's mostly on the job training, right? So doing it, right? So so the best way to learn anything is to actually do it. So so recognizing the opportunity that hey, this situation we need leadership, um, and to step in and say okay, I'll lead, and and here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to lead this, right? And so um, I think all three ways, you know, so from modeling from um, from formal education, but also from on-the-job training, actually doing it, doing the training or doing the leading is when is the best place to learn it. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of people who listen to the show that are aspiring to be leaders, right? They're listening to people like yourselves and other leaders we have here in St. Louis saying, you know, I want to be in a role like that someday where I'm leading an organization. So if an aspiring leader is listening to this episode right now and they're wondering, okay, I, I didn't have a father who uh, wasn't a great leader for me. Right. Um, and I don't really, I don't really have a, a boss that's a good leader. He's more of a manager uh, right now. 
What would you tell some, you know, 25, 30 year old individual who is who is trying right They're out there working and aspiring to do better? What advice would you give them to try to further their education on leadership and and and, and move into that type of a role? Yeah, I'd say two important things. One, read. Right. So there's the, the library is chock full of amazing stories of great leaders. Right. Um, so read read about George Washington, read about um, great leaders and they're not hard that that contact content's not hard to find but the but the other end I'd say probably the bigger thing is find a leader around you you know find someone that you respect that whether you work with them whether they're a a, a friend or maybe a relative maybe a a, a a parent of a friend um find someone around you and just have a conversation with them and and what I've been amazed and quite frankly I've done it myself where I've recruited um people that I want to model right? Model after, right? So I've recruited them and I've said, hey, you know what? I have great respect for how you lead things and how you do your, what you do. And I'd like to learn more. Would you mind just meeting with me for lunch and talking to me about this and, and letting me observe how you do things? And my experience has been people have been very, very welcoming and, and they're flattered at the, at the compliment, but they, and so they've been very, very accommodating. So my experience is go, go find a leader. They're all over the place, you know, yeah. find one and, uh, and just, be bold and and go approach them and ask them for their guidance. And again, my experience with 100% consistency is they don't they don't turn you down. And you get right. you get amazing free. Um, in fact, I've even gotten my lunch paid for in the past. Um, from and just get an amazing amazing education for free. Um, in leadership and management. Yeah, I would. I'm gonna piggyback off of that. I I your second your first point is fantastic as well. Read. I I couldn't couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, I read a book just last week called uh, Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard, which talks about customer service, and um, it was a fantastic easy read. But um, the second point there I, I think is even more valuable. So uh, about five six years ago, I I was I was in a position where I was like, okay, I, I've I've Conf- I've uh, I've succeeded everything I wanted to see succeed from a sales position. Now I want to become a VP of sales. Now I want to become a director of sales. I want to lead a sales team. And I knew I needed some help in that. And so I reached out to a guy here in St. Louis named Robert Teschner, um, who is a, uh, a fantastic leader. If you don't know anything about Robert Teschner, anybody listening to this episode, I would tell you to go look him up. He lives right here in St. Louis. He was in the, uh, the United States Air Force for a number of years, 20 plus years, um, just he has a book called Debrief to Win out there. I reached out to him on LinkedIn and said, I, I've heard you speak publicly. I I know your experience. I know what you do now. He does consulting for a lot of organizations. And I said, I'd like to grab coffee and like to pick your brain on some things. We, we grabbed coffee. He bought my coffee to your point, And I asked him to be my mentor. And he mentored me for probably three years. Never asked me for a dollar, but was always there to give me advice and um and really guided me, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably in the position I am today because of people like him. Um, and again, so to your point, there's people in St. Louis that if you just ask them for help, St. Louis is such a great, great town that they will, they're willing to help. Well, and Brian, to that point, we actually have a thing at Covenant. We have a thing called a Career Board of Directors, and and we actually took it from a book written by Jan Tracy Mokwa called Career Equity. Again, that's a great book. So a little plug there, but, um, but. In her book, she describes that everyone has a career board of directors, right? So if you think of yourself as the CEO of your career, right? Good CEOs always have a board of directors, right? And a, what's a board of directors supposed to do? They're supposed to advise the CEO and 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 see the problem from different perspectives, right? So you want people that are, are helping you that see things from different perspectives. 
So we advise all of our all of our team members to have a career board of directors and to consciously um, um, nurture and develop that career board of directors. So you have not just one mentor, but you have multiple mentors that are providing different perspectives on your career, right? So if so, if you aspire to leadership, then I would add people to your career board of directors that are good leaders. Or if you aspire to being better in a certain industry, add people to your career board of directors that are that are in that industry and experience that industry. So I absolutely recommend that. And I think a, a career board of directors anywhere from three to seven people is a very healthy career board of directors. Yeah, no, I, th- I love the idea and the concept of that. Um, and I think that's that's some really good advice. Absolutely. You know, let me ask you a couple more quick questions before I let you get out of here today. What is one of the biggest challenges you think being a leader has and how would you advise somebody to overcome those types of challenges? So if you think think back to, you know, you being a leader and, and the challenges you face as a leader, you know, what's probably one of the biggest ones you face and how do you kind of overcome those? Well, so I'm I'm going to and and not to go back to this earlier question, but another source for great leadership content is the, the U.S. military. Right. So they are actually one of my favorite sources for leadership content. The absolute best class I've ever taken was was a class that the Marines gave on leadership. Um, and I can only they imagine. Did, anyhow, they have a they have a great perspective on leadership and they've been studying it for, you know, 200 years. Right. So so they know something about it. Um, but they said the most important competency um, for a good leader, you know, so leaders have to have a variety of different competencies. But the most important one, they argue, is courage. And so, so going back to your point, um, so courage is really, really important. And courage is simply doing what you know needs to be done, even when you're afraid. Okay, when the, when you're afraid to do it, and you do make decisions, even when you're afraid, that's the biggest thing, right? So, yep. and that's super important when you're a leader, because guess what? As a leader, there's going to be scary times. There's scary times when, gosh, I'm not sure we can make payroll. Gosh, I don't know that that um, you know. Should should I take this business opportunity? What's the risk of that business opportunity? And and you have to make decisions that uh, that have risk associated with them because there's at least I've not witnessed an entrepreneurial opportunity that doesn't have some risk associated with it, right? So so part of being a leader and certainly part of being an entrepreneur is managing risk, and risk brings with it fear, and appropriately so. You should be fear fearful, right? Otherwise you're not you're not really recognizing the risk in front of you. But but being able to 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 understand the risk and understand how to manage the risk. So the risks can't paralyze you, right? You have to make a decision. You have to move forward. So you can't be paralyzed by the risk, but to, to give the risk proper proper weight, um, but then be able to make those decisions, um, the decisions that need to be made and move things forward, even even recognize that you're, you're afraid. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Doug, I always end this podcast by asking our guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if that piece of advice would be on business, entrepreneurship, or just personal life in itself, what could you leave us with today? Well, so one of the things that we we didn't talk a lot about, but but one of the other pieces of advice I always give is is how you look at your career. Okay, my favorite Einstein quote is, "We cannot solve the significant problems of today from the same perspective we had when we created them." All right. So what I see most people with regard to their career is there's a percep- perspective difference, and I kind of alluded to that in that when I talked about the entrepreneurial perspective. But my experience is people in the United States view their career in one of three ways. Most people view it as a job, which again, you're just exchanging time for money. The second most people view it as a career where I'm still exchanging time for money, but I'm growing, I'm learning something. You know, I'm learning something today that I expect to apply next year. And from applying that, I'm either gonna make more money or I'm gonna do something I enjoy more, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the career mindset, but there's a third mindset and our, and our schools don't teach this, unfortunately. And it's the mission mindset, right? The mission and or owner mindset. So I've seen research call it those two different names. 
And but in that mindset, it's just it becomes who I am. So I no longer have a career. It's just who I am. So, you know, Warren Buffett is is uh, 92 years old, I think, something like that. Um, he's still working. He clearly has enough money to retire, to quote unquote retire, right. but he hasn't. Right. So why hasn't Warren Buffett retired or how, why hasn't Jeff Bezos retired or named the 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 famous uh, entrepreneur or business leader? Elon who Musk. hasn't retired. Well, so they aren't they aren't they don't have a job. They don't have a career because it's not like they're trying to do something, learn something today that they can use tomorrow. So they're in that third category, that third category. And that's that mission slash um, owner mindset. And again, but that's it's, it's all just about mindset. Every, it's, it's available to everyone. You don't have to be Warren Buffett to have it. It's available right. to every single one. And so I would cause, say it's cause, not effect. Warren has the mission mindset because he had that mission mindset before he had the money he has now. Right. It's just who you are. And again, and, and if you're doing something that's who you are, guess what? You're doing it 24-7, but you're also not doing it 24-7, right? So it's, it's just who you are. Yeah. Um, and so I think that ha- having that mindset, again, you don't have to take a class on it. You don't have to buy a book. You don't have to buy any technology to do it. It's a, it's a perspective that, that this is who I am, and, I, and that's, uh, that's really important. Yeah, no, I think that's a great piece of advice. I appreciate you sharing that today. On behalf of the STLers podcast and myself, I appreciate you joining us, Doug, and and sharing kind of your wisdom and and your experience. Uh, You're a great STL leader, and we appreciate what you're doing here in the city of St. Louis. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Good to talk to you.